Hello, welcome to the Canvas Casters podcast. I am your guest host for this episode, Nicole Hires, and I'm so glad you're here where we discuss all things education, K-12, higher ed, students, teachers, admins, and patrons. We talk instructor learning platform and dive into the humanness of education, adding in some fun guests and surprise co-hosts. We have an exciting episode ahead of us as we talk about usability tricks and design tips in our Canvas learning management system. Hello again, it's me, Nicole Hires, a principal instructional designer here at Instructure. Today, I am so excited to introduce you to some beautiful people. First up is Rosina Montero. Rosina, can you share with us a little bit about you and what brings you on the podcast today? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Rosina, and I'm beyond thrilled to be joining you today. So thanks a million for the invite. Um, I've been with Instructure for about four years now. I'm currently serving as a manager in the learning services department and specializing in instructional design. Before Instructure, I taught high school art for six years and then later became a media specialist and digital coach for a few years. And um, of course, in that position, there's a million responsibilities, but <laughs> one of my favorites was working really closely with our dedicated teachers to help them embrace and excel in utilizing Canvas uh, when we, it was first introduced to our district. So I fell in love with the platform, obviously, uh, and it really inspired me to take the leap to join Instructure. Um, but art and design have really been a huge passion of mine, and I'm equally passionate about creating really effective and engaging learning environments. So joining Instructure really allowed me to blend my two favorite worlds into a dream job and I couldn't be happier. Well, I am so excited you're here today. For those of you listening, you probably don't know this, but Rosina was actually the one who hired, one of the people who hired me here at Instructure. <laughs> and she's become such a good friend and one of my favorite people to work with. We have a little hashtag that runs around our uh, team over here called Just Rosina Things because she just like magnifies any document, any anything that we have becomes more beautiful when Rosina uh, touches it. And so it's hashtag Just Rosina Things all the time over here. So, so excited to have you here, Rosina. Maybe you'll uh, hashtag Just Rosina Things this episode as well. <laughs> you never know. You never know. We also have the pleasure of introducing you to one of our newest teammates, Natalie Arias. Natalie, what should the listeners know about you? Well, thanks for having me. First of all, I'm very excited to be here. I am very new at Instructure, so I am just coming off of my first month um, with the company, and I'm coming directly from working as an academic dean or dean of instruction at a high school in South Texas. Before that, I was a digital and blended learning specialist at the district level for a few years, and I'm also a former English teacher and coach. So I used to coach volleyball, basketball, track, softball. Um, I have a really strong background and passion for blended and personalized learning, which really like those are terms that get thrown around a lot, but really it's all about using technology effectively um, to make learning meaningful and authentic. And a lot of times that involves data-driven instruction. That's really what it should involve. Um, and so, yeah, I just feel like Canvas, this transition was really kind of ideal for me because I just fell in love with the platform as I helped build a rollout plan and adoption in my role as a digital specialist because um, I realized how powerful it is as a tool to deliver quality learning opportunities to students. Um, in my experience, I've learned a lot about how important it is to focus on the learning and not just the lessons in the classroom. And so taking this career shift is really exciting because I'm pumped about how powerful this LMS is. And it really is meant to be a great partner um, to make great learning happen. And so I'm really having a blast uh, in my new role. Rosina is my manager. And I just get to connect with a broader audience um, to kind of impact education in a different way. So that's kind of my like, you know, my work background. Other than that, I have four kids. I'm happily married. And uh, yeah, I'm just really happy to be here. Well, I can, uh, I'm just speaking for myself here, but I know a lot of people share this sentiment that we're really happy to have you here at Instructure. Um, Natalie and I, my, a little aside about Natalie is that Natalie and I, in the first few interactions that we had with each other, just briefly, like literally just through messaging back and forth, um, I was like, wow, Natalie is my soul sister. Like we have so much in common, <laughs> um, and just the way we approach life. So I love connecting with Natalie and we are really grateful that you're here on the podcast today. So Thanks. When we thought about this topic uh, for this episode, we realized like, wow, this is going to be an interesting delivery message um, over a podcast format. 
So um, bear with us. Normally we present some of these ideas through a, a visual presentation. Uh, so I'm hoping that this format's just as effective. And uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens, huh? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Um, I've been operating under the assumption that everyone who's listening has already heard about Canvas, uh, but if they haven't, can someone give us a quick elevator pitch about what Canvas is? Yeah, I think it's really hard to capture in an elevator pitch, but I will do my best. I am not skilled at limiting the amount of words that I use. <laughs> but if you hear us abbreviate LMS, that stands for Learning Management System. Um, so we'll probably say that a few times today. But Canvas is really just this powerful place where educators can manage learning for students effectively in one place. Um, we like to say it's a one-stop shop. Um, and that gets lost sometimes. I think people think it means it gives you everything. It gives you the tools that you need. I think that's the great thing about Canvas. Um, Teachers and students can interact with each other in a lot of different ways, like students submitting their evidence of learning and assignments. They can get learning resources and materials or lectures. And then there's lots of tools for feedback, collaboration, and communication in Canvas that works between teachers and students, students to students, and even teachers to caregivers or parents, which I'm, as a parent, I appreciate that component. Um, but my favorite thing about it is how it just really allows teachers to facilitate learning in a way that maximizes their time to increase the effectiveness of communication between them and the student and also really like freeze them up to be able to connect with students. They don't have to worry as much about the managerial and like mundane parts of managing teaching and learning and they can focus on just building a cool experience for the kids and then connecting with them in class. So uh, it's really a, a digital program right that helps make learning manageable. I love that description so much. I think that you really touched on a lot of things that are important to all of our educators, which, you know, includes the three of us, but um, having that human connection through a digital platform is so important. And I really do think that Canvas facilitates that environment. So thank you. Um, Rosie, maybe you can uh, speak on this a little bit, but how important is it that a learning management system is approachable for both the teacher and or facilitator? as well as the end user? Ooh, that's a really great question. Um, I truly believe that the approachability of an LMS is crucial for both facilitators and end users, right? Like for facilitators, having an approachable LMS is like having a reliable partner, right? They need a platform that's user-friendly and intuitive and doesn't require a really steep learning curve because after all, their main focus should be delivering those you know, delivering exceptional education and not wrestling with complicated technology. So when an LMS is approachable, it really empowers teachers, facilitators, or whoever's using it to easily navigate and utilize its features, uh, really saving them time and allowing them to focus on what truly matters, which we all know, creating engaging and really impactful learning experiences. Um, on the other hand, we have our end users, right? Our students or our learners, and they're really the heart and soul of any you know, educational endeavor. So approachable LMS really ensures that learners can easily access the course materials, uh, submit assignments, engage in discussions, you know, track progress without feeling overwhelmed or confused. And if it's, you know, really user friendly, it creates a positive learning experience, really enhancing their engagement and motivation to participate actively in the courses that they're in. Um, so ultimately, approachable, uh, an approachable LMS bridges the gap between teachers and learners, fostering that collaborative and supportive learning environment and teachers and engages learners and ultimately contributes to the success of their academic journey. Yeah, I think that both of you hit on some really important things there, like really the ultimate goal is that students have a positive experience and teachers and facilitators make that connection with their students. And so Canvas really is a great tool for that. And we're really here today to make the lives of all Canvas users a little bit easier. Um, so first we're gonna start off with talking about the usability of Canvas and some best practices for that. So Natalie, what are some of your thoughts surrounding that topic? That is, I love this topic and because I think that there's this misconception that we've all hit on so far today. And that's that because we're managing learning online that all learning has to happen online and that is not the case. So I think the first thing I wanna say about usability is that 
you need to find ways to make Canvas work for you and your students and the way that they need to learn. Do not think that because we're learning online or we're managing online, that all learning has to happen online. Um, best practice would be step-by-step -step instructions for every assignment. Like that's a given. And I think that it seems silly sometimes when I bring that up because it feels like it should just be a given already. But I think we're still learning post-COVID um, kind of what needs to stay. And that's one of those things that's like, it shouldn't be a negotiable anymore. If you're posting anything on Canvas or on the learning management system for your students, you've got to tell them what to do with it. So um, I remember during COVID, my son would get, um, I'd see his progress report and it would say like, uh, warm up zero. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I'd go to him and be like, Landon, why didn't you do this warm up? And he was like, what warm up? And then we'd go to um, the LMS they were using at the time. And there was like nothing called warm up on that day. And so we were like, I, like, how do I, I didn't know how to help him, you know? And this is like, I'm a capable parent who's tech savvy. And I was like lost at home. So I'm over here, like trying to help you know, foster this environment at home where I'm like getting him to advocate for himself and stuff. But at the same time, it was really frustrating. Um, that's a very like low level, you know, example. But I think just that is something that we have to all agree to do, no matter what you're using, whether it's Canvas or not. Give your students step by step instructions. And I think that it's important too because not everyone's going to be there, right? Like students are absent all the time. They're sick. They've got other engagements or commitments. And so it will help the teacher in the end by making it easier for students to access that instead of them having to answer questions from students when they get back saying, what did I miss? And what do I have to do? And what did y'all learn? And where are the notes? You just already have it on Canvas. So you can just move on and those kids can connect with you if they need help after they access that. I love how um, that clears up the like efficiency of a teacher's life, you know, <laughs> like that yes, is like, that yes. was one of my biggest complaints in the classroom was like, I have no time. And I feel like this really does clear up that space in someone's schedule to say, I don't have to do this. I don't have to follow up one-on-one -on -one with every single student because they already know right. the routine is already set in place that it's in the Canvas LMS. And so it's easy to access that way. That's so cool. 100%. Yeah, I think that's kind of like the, the path for teachers to get on board with something like Canvas when they're using it for the first time is like, we have to show them, how, how is this gonna make your job easier first, right? Because that's just like foundational, right? Like job security and just feeling like you can manage these things, like learn how it's gonna help you. And so I'm, the usability tips that I have are really focused on kind of improving things for the teacher to, well, for the student to make it easier for the teacher. And you, and you hit that whenever you talk about um, improving the experience for all the users. So one of the things that I really love, a best practice that um, is important is like just getting all the learning materials in Canvas. So again, even if they're learning in class, even if you're, even if you're doing a, a whole group instruction type thing or stations or whatever, put all the materials in there, organize them, find an organizational model that works for you. Um, but there's a tool in the rich content editor called course linking. And this may not seem like a big deal to those of you that have been using Canvas for a long time, but I have used multiple LMSs this is the tool that really changed the game for me and the teachers that I've worked with previously. Because once you realize that if you just put things in Canvas, you can link to them anywhere you want to, it makes life so much easier. So course linking is basically it's hyperlinking, but you don't have to hyperlink to something outside of the program. So for example, if students are on an iPad, especially, right, like they don't have to leave the app to go and get the learning material. You just use course linking, they access it right within the course. And so it just makes it really easy. You don't have to go and copy and paste a link. You just select it from the course linking sidebar. So that's a tool that I love, love, love. And I feel like is underutilized sometimes. I think students are more, um, I think students are more likely to use those tools whenever you make them accessible. And I don't mean necessarily, like, I know we're gonna talk accessibility later. I just mean like easy to access. Right. You know, if you're making these notes and guides, put them where they can see them and remind them that they have them by just course linking. So that's a tool yeah. that I think is a good best practice to adopt. And the cool thing about course linking is you can literally, you can link past assignments, you can link pages, mm -hmm. you can link discussion boards, you can link full modules and just help with the navigation of your course and direct students to the right place, you know, like shepherd them into the right little home because <laughs> it's so easy, especially in the lower levels, right? In K-12 specifically, it's easy for students to get lost 
imagine, you know, as adults, it's easy for us to get lost. I currently have probably 15 tabs open. None of them are Canvas right now, <laughs> but I have a lot of tabs open and it's easy to get lost and to figure out, oh, yep. where am I supposed to go right now? Because I have no idea. So for the learner, if we reduce that cognitive load and just say, this is exactly where you need to go, that sends such a positive message and just clears up any gunk that's in there that just makes it difficult to navigate learning in general. So that's such a powerful tool. I'm just impressed that you only have 15 tabs open. (laughs) (laughs) What if I have two windows with 15 tabs on each? I didn't tell you how many windows I have open. (laughs) (laughs) I think the thing about course linking too, and this is something that I think is a like understated component that makes Canvas powerful is that course linking sends a subtle message to your students that you want them to achieve success. Like you, you're not just saying, remember that assignment we did last week and how we did the first step of the writing process. Now today we're going to do this and you're showing them, Hey, go back and look at the way you did this last week. You're not only like, it's, it's, it's another level of fostering that success that may not be glaring, right? Like in their face, you telling them and screaming how much you love them and want them to be successful, but it sends that very subtle message that over time will create a more positive culture in your classroom. And then I really think in your schools, like I think that it has the power to do that um, along with these other things. Well, Um, I think that's really cool that you mentioned that because to me that that speaks to scaffolding our our Mm -hmm. learning resources, right? Like we're saying, not only are we giving you this new assignment, but also here's the reference points for the prerequisite knowledge you needed to enter this lesson. So it is a powerful tool and it's just another way to scaffold our instruction. And that's incredible. And I think, I know we at Canvas, we talk a lot at Instructure, excuse me, we talk a lot about universal design for learning. And I don't think this episode is going to be all about UDL, but I think it's something to name because all of these things have to do with making learning accessible for everybody. You have mm-hmm. students in your classroom that were, so earlier I mentioned step-by-step instructions. You have students in your classroom that will have that accommodation of needing step-by-step instructions. Instead of making that an added task where you have to go and make step-by-step instructions for just one kid and you feel like it's you're wasting your time or it feels like frustrating, right? Just do it for everybody. And then you don't have to worry right. about whether or not you're providing it to students that need it. Course linking is another example of that. Like, oh, some students may need more direction. Like, let's say your students with ADHD or another learning disability, they may need that direction, but everybody would benefit from being able to have it accessible. You're probably going to, in like a class of 30 at any time, I probably had one or two kids that would be able to effectively find what I was referencing if I didn't direct them directly to it. So I think it's powerful. For sure. All right. The next uh, little tip or best practice that I think is really, really important for people to utilize is um, really like one of those that once you figure it out, you're like, oh my God, why didn't I know about this? So it's the message students who feature in the grade book. I have told teachers about this multiple times. Yeah. I've told them about it multiple times, but until you actually have like grades in the grade book and you have all these missing assignments and you realize how much time it saves you, um, So it's a feature that allows you to message all of the students in a grade, like, for example, let's say it was an assignment. Um, You can click that column. There's three dots on the right-hand side. So this is why this is where the visual would have come in handy, right? Right. (laughs) But the three dots at the top of, you're in your grade book, the three dots on the right-hand side of that column, the grading, the grade assignment column, there's a button or an option that says message students who, and you can select to message students who, um, haven't submitted, who scored below a certain grade. Um, You can even message their observers or caregivers. You can even message students who scored above a certain grade. It can be like students that scored above a 99. So any student that got a hundred, I'm going to just be like, hey, I'm so proud of you. Great job. You did it. You're perfect. Right. (laughs) So I love that this is a way that you can make it really easy to communicate with students about their needs. Um, Again, talking about students that have that need special reminders to submit their assignment. Those are accommodations that you might have for students that have um, an IEP or a 504 plan. You don't have to worry about it. You're just going to do it for everybody. So you know that you're going to meet the needs of the ones that, that need it and everyone will benefit from it. Again, I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I love that you mentioned 
that you can message students who have who scored above a certain grade too, because it's not just about you know, reaching out to those students who, you know, might need the extra bit of assistance, but also praising the students who are excelling and doing really well in class. So I love that idea. It's great. Yeah. And the fact that this is just another means into differentiated instruction and support Mm -hmm. in such an easy way, like literally a few clicks and you like that would take so much time in a traditional, like face-to-face model to be like, okay, who are all my kids? I have to check my list now. I have to call them up one by one and tell them um, or do it subtly so that no one else notices that there's a trend here. You know, like it's a private way to communicate with your students individually about their specific grades. And, or, and I used or to have to take, status. I used to have to take a day like every three to four weeks, losing instructional time to have one-on-one meetings with my students about like, this is what you're missing. This is what you need to turn in. This is what you need to redo. Remember, I gave this back to you. Do you have that in your backpack? Bring your backpack. Let me see. Like, you don't have to do that. You send them a message. And I also, I didn't message that the message, I didn't mention that the message students who feature allows you to bulk message. So you're not having to go in and just like, you're not just condensing a list and having to go through it. You can literally say any message, any student that got above a 90. I'm so proud of you. Great job message any student that hasn't submitted, hey, did you forget to turn this in? Let me know if you need help. Like there's so many different ways to utilize the tool. And then you can also message their their caregivers, their observers, um, which observers in Canvas are par- or for parents, right? The caregiver role. And I love that. I had to manage a, um, a self-paced course that was really managed on another platform that was a self-paced curriculum. But then I I managed it with students by using Canvas to communicate with them. So I would put the like the grade slots. They knew when I was collecting grades on what assignments. And it was so cool to be able to use the message students who feature with students that I didn't see in class every day because I was the academic dean and they had, they had, I was their teacher of record, but I wasn't in the classroom with them, right? Because we were in an unfortunate position. And so it was a really powerful way to like keep in touch and like build a relationship with them and tell them that I was committed to their success without being able to be face-to-face with them every day. So it just sends a, a, another one of those subtle messages that like, hey, I know you may have just missed this or you may just be bogged down, but kind of giving them the benefit of the doubt and giving them a reminder, I think goes a long way too. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, the next one I have is rubrics for grading. And I'm not gonna get too much into rubrics for grading because I think it's one of those things that you just have to try it and see how cool it is. But when there's so much subjectivity that can come into, there is a lot of subjectivity that will come into grading if there's not a rubric or a an exact, you know, correct answer. So just creating simple rubrics to use in your classroom to collect those daily grades, I think is a powerful way, again, to send a message of consistency and support to your students, but also just to be very clear about what the expectations are. Like if you have, I used to do a journal assignment, right? Every, we had double blocks. So my students wrote for 10 minutes. Uh, Monday through Friday at the beginning of class every day, we did free write, right? And so really their grade was just, did they spend that time writing? Because I wasn't reading these journal entries or anything. I could have had a simple rubric that was like, that kind of checked off. Did you write every day? Were you committed or were you like off task, right? I might put, I might only give them five points instead of 10 points one day because um, they were off task or I had to redirect them, right? So it would be an easy way for a teacher to communicate the needs to students. So again, we could do a, probably a whole episode on like grading and feedback, but um, that's a powerful one. The and last can, best best practice, that, go ahead. Sorry. The uh, rubrics for grading can also be tied into the speed grader. So again, that efficiency piece, I think is so important. Like it just makes it so much easier to go through submission by submission and say, okay, does this have this? Yes or no? Move on. Um, and takes that subjectivity out of grading. So it becomes an easier and quicker process. Yeah. And I think there's this, I, we have to get, and it's really a mindset y'all because teachers hear rubrics, like I have to make a rubric and it sounds like more work, but I think the trick here is understanding that instead of doing the work reacting afterwards and cleaning up the mess and like being frustrated, you're doing the work ahead of time to be proactive in your approach to, to help students and like avoid all that confusion and lack in communication. I think that's the big part. Yeah. Huge time saver. Yeah. The very, yeah. The very last one that I'm going to mention is like a best practice 
that I think is really cool is the speed grader has this really cool feature called reassigning and or like it lets you reassign things. This is understated, I think, because I don't know another LMS that allows you to reassign in this way where it the to do list is a really powerful feature for students to use and help get them organized and keep them on track. When a student submits an assignment or when a teacher grades the assignment, it takes it off their to do list, right? It's, you've, it's already been accounted for. And I think that's something that teachers need to know that to do list student. That's one of the first things that I start to catch on that students start to utilize when they're transitioning to Canvas. And so the reassign option allows you to send something back to a kid. So let's say a kid submits something, maybe you use the rubric and you realize like, hey, you really missed the mark here and I would like you to try to resubmit it, right? Before you can reassign it to them, you have to give them feedback. That's the kicker with reassign. It could be frustrating, but there's no like passive aggressive, like I'm gonna keep turning this in. Like I remember in Google Classroom, my kids used to just mark things as done. And I'd be like, no, you had to actually do it or they just <laughs> submit it blank. <laughs> and so there's no more of that. You can send it back to them and tell them exactly what it is that you need them to do. And it puts it back on their to-do list when you reassign it. Because again, like if if you've already graded it and you put a grade in, it takes it off their to-do list. If they've already submitted it, it takes it off their to-do list. So unless you clearly tell them what it is that you need, then um, they don't know what to do with it, right? Even if it is isn't their to-do list. So it makes you give them feedback. You can do that in video audio, or you can type it out. You can even add some emojis and be fun with it. Send it back to them, ask them to redo it, right? Or um, resubmit. And then, yeah, it goes right back and it's easier for them to manage. So I think those are just some tips that there's a lot, but I think those are some that are just some best practices that if you aren't already using them, or if you're transitioning to Canvas, get comfortable with those from the get, because I think it'll make your life and your students' lives a lot easier. Yeah. So to recap, uh, we talked about using uh, lists and structured uh, formatting, right? Uh, course right. linking in the RCE, message students who feature uh, in the gradebook, rubrics for grading, and then the reassign option in SpeedGrader. So those are some really helpful usability tips if you're, like Natalie said, if you're just getting started or if you're just looking to revamp the way you do things because what you're doing is not working or you just need a refresher on how to make things a little bit easier for yourself and for your learners. So thank you so much, Natalie. And I think that it's really important to say this caveat here. Uh, usability is not the only thing that affects a user's experience. So for, for your own uh, needs as a teacher, ed educator, facilitator, and also as the learner is concerned, it's important that we also consider the design um, and how that affects a learner's experience. And I really think that Rosina has this uh, expertise. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about uh, what you think is important when it comes down to design in a course. And I know we could probably talk about this for like three hours, but we have about um, maybe like 20, 30 minutes to talk. So, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Um, but honestly, design, you know, it's like that secret ingredient that adds that little extra sparkle to the user experience. You know, when it comes to the impact of design on a user experience within Canvas, it's truly a game changer. You see, like design goes way beyond just making things look pretty, which is funny I mentioned that because that was an internal uh, professional development that we made about instructional design, but um, <laughs> it's also about crafting an experience that not only is visually appealing, but it's also uh, intuitive and user-centered, right? So an effective course design really ensures that the user can effortlessly, like we mentioned before, navigate through the platform, locate the information that they need and perform those tasks while creating a seamless flow that guides users along their learning journey, reducing any of that friction or confusion along the way. You know, whether it's organizing the course mate materials in a logical manner or uh, employing those clear and consistent visual cues or simplifying things, you know, into digestible steps, really playing that out. It really plays a, a vital role in, role in enhancing the overall user experience. But here's the best part. Good design not only enhances usability, but also fuels engagement and motivation, right? When learners are greeted with a visually appealing course and a well-structured, you know, just course, right? It, it piques their interest and invites them to actively participate in the learning process. It kind of sets that stage for a positive 
an immersive learning experience, kind of capturing their attention right off the bat and fostering a sense of connection with the content and the learning platform itself. So um, obviously super important. Yeah. And so with that being said, I definitely agree, obviously. I mean, my role is as an instructional designer, so uh, ditto, right? But what would you say if we're, we're talking to people who are new to maybe this concept of like, it's more than pretty, right? Like, yeah, we want it to be pretty. We want it to look good, obviously, for like just the aesthetic reasons, but it's more than just the aesthetic. So what are some best design tips and tricks you can offer to those building their courses in Canvas? Oh man, I could, like we said, we can talk about this for hours. We really can. Yeah. So I think I'm going to, I'll try to, I'll try to keep it somewhat short-ish, um, <laughs> but uh, I'll come with a, a couple that, you know, will kind of help uh, create courses that are not only visually appealing, but are engaging and promote active learning and ultimately just enhancing the overall experience for students. So first thing I would say is start with clear organization and user-friendly navigation. So, you know, structure materials in a way that makes sense, in a way that's consistent. Uh, utilize modules and even text headers to kind of create a hierarchy that guides learners through the content so they don't get lost, you know. It really helps them easily find what they need and keeps them focused on what they're supposed to be doing. You can also make sure that your course is really easy to navigate by providing those clear and intuitive navigation paths, whether it's linking out with the RCE, like Natalie was talking about before, or just using really descriptive and concise labels for buttons or links, or you know, even consider creating an overview page to kind of help learners know the expectations and to kind of help orient themselves uh, within the course. Yeah, that's something we do a lot here when we're designing courses at Instruct. I mean, obviously, right? But uh, we really believe in like that that homepage structure really matters to us because it's just clear when you come into a course and you just have a landing page and it just says, this is where you need to go to get X, Y, Z information. Um, I think it really just sends a message that like, there is no confusion on what you need to do or where you need to go. There's just this one, like you said, that overview page, here's yep. everything you need to know. And then within that, we call them buttons, but like linked images or uh, linked, uh, you know, little sections. If you're using the our HTML to make it uh, link through the HTML, you can mm -hmm. do that as well. Um, but creating that navigation and making it very clear for the user where they need to go and how they get back, right? And some of that is native to Canvas. And then some of that is something that you have uh, control over as the facilitator, teacher, designer of a course. 100%. I was going to add, I think that it's important too for teachers to remember the student experience um, in every decision that they make, like everything that they're doing. So think of a time when you had to do an asynchronous PD or you had to do a self-paced course and how frustrating it can be when you can't find things. We live in a world now where our students have the ability and we sometimes see it as a barrier, but we have to look at it as an opportunity, but we have the ability for students to have that kind of access every day in their classrooms. So how can you design that so that it's user-friendly and it's a place that brings them joy? I know that sounds silly, but like, is it going to, you know, brighten their day by coming in here? Is it going to be like, oh my God, this is a mess. There's so many things to click on. I don't even remember where to find it, right? Um, I've learned so much about the importance of design. And like, I've always loved visually appealing things, like the aesthetic, right? But I didn't, wasn't like trained. I just like it. And since I've been here in the last month, I've seen how powerful it is when these experiences are designed in a way that just really fosters like it's like being we want students to be self-directed and self-starters but then we design these experiences that are like confusing and jumbled right um <laughs> things as simple as like on the like when you're at the bottom of a page i think this was in one of my onboarding courses it was like click next to continue and i was like oh my gosh like yeah that's genius like it seems silly because you're working in a module and like, but I've been working in Canvas, so I know that you click next to continue. Somebody who's using it for the first time or maybe struggles academically needs that direction, right? So I think I think those are really cool. There's some really cool ways that y'all bring that visual aspect in. Theming, like when you make templates and you go off of a certain theme, it looks like, I think it's the Passport to Canvas course for students, right? It's like 
travel themed, right? It's like everything looks like a boarding ticket or like those are things that seem silly, but kids love it. And they love consistency. They love to know what they're looking at and what they're looking for. And I think there's a level of like, it teaches students more than just what's in the content, you know, like there's, there's some life skills that they're building within that. I mean, you think of how that organization piece and that navigation piece could translate into like everyday life. Like, you know what? Everything has a spot. Maybe my desk should have a spot for everything. Maybe in my classroom, there should be a spot where I turn in my homework, where I, you know, like there should be some clear organization and user-friendly navigation in a traditional face-to-face model, why wouldn't we translate that into our Canvas courses? Like, it doesn't make sense not to, right? Yeah, yeah. and that I think like- it's important. Go ahead. Sorry. I was gonna just- no, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I also think people should know, like, you don't have to be a design expert to be able to do this well, because there's so many templates and things available in the commons that other people have already figured out. And you just have to make it yours. You know, you can pull that in from comments. You can pull it in from the community and use what's been created. People share. That's one of my favorite things about education is like how much people are willing to share things that they've created just because they realize like, hey, it helped me and maybe it'll help you. So just keep that in mind. Like you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to know how to do all the fancy design tricks and stuff. You just have to know how to find resources and get answers. Absolutely. And that's what kind of brings me to my next thing is you you don't have to know, right, all of those fancy things, but just having a consistent visual design, even if it's just small pieces, right, just maintaining a consistent look throughout your course, even choosing a color scheme or a layout that aligns with your course's theme, and just apply it throughout, because consistency in design really creates that cohesive and even professional kind of looking appearance, you know, so Absolutely. And and like Natalie said, there's a lot of resources out there and a lot of freebies and, and things that you can do to kind of help jumpstart that as well. Um, all right. So the next thing, the next two I'm going to talk about kind of go hand in hand. So first I'm going to talk about is incorporating multimedia elements and interactive assessments, right? Integrate engaging multimedia elements, even if it's just a video or images. Um, and when you're incorporating images, you obviously want to make sure that they are relevant to the content, right? You don't want to just add images to just add them because then it kind of makes it too busy. But, you know, those interactive activities can really enhance the learning experience and those visuals and interactive components can really capture a learner's attention and facilitate understanding of those more complex concepts, right? Um, Even features like quizzes, right? Use various question types or incorporate discussion boards, or even peer assessments to kind of promote active learning and encourage that student engagement. Um, So with that, also incorporating those collaborative activities. So that's another one, fostering collaboration among your learners in your course. You can even do that by uh, incorporating group projects. There's group features and collaboration features right within Canvas. You could do peer reviews. Again, discussions is really great. But those collaborative activities can really promote, again, that active learning, even social interaction and the exchange of ideas and really enhancing the overall learning experience. And not only for the students, but for the facilitator and teachers as well, I believe, you know, gives them a sense of connection too. Yeah, I love what you're saying about um, the intentionality of what you are using. Like, be very thoughtful with what you're putting in your course. Um Maybe you don't need a Bitmoji. Maybe you could uh, throw in something that's related to the content, you know? Um, and that was something that I I did a lot of before I uh, really learned more about online teaching and learning pedagogy. But just having something that's related and adds to the meaning of the content, um, make learning meaningful, make your image meaningful. Don't just throw a video in there because it's funny. Um, it should count for something. It shouldn't distract from what's important on the page. And I think with both multimedia elements and interactive assessments, as well as collaborative activities, you either want it to contribute to the learning experience or contribute to the classroom environment and the human connection of your uh, cohort, group, class, whatever it may be. So I love those, those tips. Great tips, Rosina. Absolutely. Great additions to Nicole. Thank you for that. Um, 
also, so my next one kind of goes into accessibility, right? So designing for accessibility is super, super important. You need to make sure that your courses are accessible to all of your learning, all of your learners. Um, you really want to adhere to those accessibility guidelines. You know, there's a lot of resources out there. You could check out WebAIM and tons of different things. There's even a bunch of blogs and information within our community as well. But even simple things like using proper heading structures or providing alt text for images and adding captions to videos, you know, designing with accessibility in mind really ensures that everyone can engage with the course content effectively and efficiently. And it makes a huge deal, especially if you have learners with learning disabilities or even just learners who learn differently, you know, different learning styles. It's, it's super helpful to make sure that you incorporate those things. And that alone could be like probably a three-part podcast. So yeah. <laughs> I know we just sure. kind of like skated the surface on that one. Um, but it really, it like, that is one of our top priorities when designing instruction. And, and like Natalie mentioned, you know, it goes hand in hand with UDL too and universal design for learning and really just making learning achievable, accessible, approachable by all learners in your classroom by using multiple means to access the content and just making sure that it's clear. It's clearly navigatable. Is that the word I'm looking for? Um, it works. It works. It's close enough, right? You know what I mean? Um, for, for the learner to really be able to, to get to the meat of what's important, no matter what their, their learning experience may be, you know, on a normal level. Yeah. And I think too, um, so I'll kind of, I'll try to, like I said, shorten this a little bit, but another really important thing too, is for facilitators and teachers to offer timely feedback and communication. You know, you want to establish clear communication channels, provide timely feedback to learners, whether you're using SpeedGrader or Message Students Who, or even just the inbox, use announcements, those messaging tools, grading feedback, just to keep learners informed and motivated and really supported throughout their, their, you know, their journey within your course. So I think that's also super important. It also, again, creates that sense of connection and, you know, just being a good human. <laughs> I feel like we need a whole nother podcast alone on uh, the humanness of education and just bringing that into this. So maybe that's a topic for another day. Um, but for sure, feedback and communication is super important. Um, and I know that Natalie touched on that earlier and just creating that con connection. Yeah, I think it's um, sometimes we get frustrated about things in education, not really realizing how we kind of create those problems, you know? So if you're worried about like parents or students not being engaged in learning, right? Um, like, are you designing uh, experiences for them that make that doable? Like um, when's the last time you tried to use Canvas announcements or messaging, a, you know, parents or students to see if you get a response, right? Like maybe, maybe ask a question when you message students who, like I said earlier, I said something like, is there anything I can do to help you get this assignment completed? I think it's important that we are like very reflective when we talk about improving the learning process, like, and the culture around teaching and learning. We've got to be able to look in the mirror and be like, okay, how have I been contributing to this? That's like teachers that I used to get frustrated too. Like students don't take ownership of their learning. They don't care about their grades. It's like, well, probably because I don't give them feedback ever. And like, they just turn in papers that I graded and put in the grade book. And then like, I wasn't building, we weren't setting goals. They're like doing anything together, you know? So just think about how you contribute to any of those issues that you have. And I pretty sure you're going to find some kind of canvas tool that will help you make it easier. Yeah. We've talked about some really great, useful and timely tips and tricks today on canvas usability and design. And it can be super overwhelming to start any of this on your own. I want to remind you that you don't have to. Natalie spoke about Canvas Commons, and then uh, Rosina mentioned some of the free resources that are out on the community space. But how else could districts, school sites, and institutions go about seeking support in these areas, Rosina? Yeah, it's great that you brought that up because we've got some really fantastic resources available and some might not be aware, but we actually offer instructional design services. We can help with a range of things from course reviews to custom templates, even ready-made templates to course builds, even assessment design for our, 
assessment products, which is a great new thing that we just uh, we just rolled out recently. But the best part is that we have had countless customers who achieved remarkable success with our support, whether they were on, you know, a short on time or had tight deadlines or just simply lacked their in-house experience or ex expertise. Our services have really made a huge difference for them. And, you know, we're here to help, whether it's by uh, augmenting your staff or supporting existing staff to ensure they achieve the outcomes that you're really looking for. Uh, I would say if you're interested in exploring some of these options further, some of you might have a, uh, you know, a customer success manager, DSM team. Um, and they'll be more than happy to provide you with all the information that you need about the incredible range of services offered by learning services. And I want to just throw it out there that it's not just about instructional design. We have a whole array of amazing things to offer as well. You know, we have training and strategic and uh, curriculum services and everything. So don't ever hesitate to get in touch and let us guide you towards success. Yeah. And I think for... I feel like if I were a teacher listening, I would be like, okay, but I have no control over any of those things. Like I don't have access to the CSM or I can't buy services. So what can we do to help the individual teacher? Like what, how can we support that? Love that you asked about individual teachers because we do have fantastic suggestions for them too, right? There is a wealth of free resources out there that could truly be a game changer. Um, and one of my top recommendations, which we had mentioned before, would be to check out our instructor community. Um, it's like a treasure trove filled with product guides and release notes and answers to common questions and incredibly helpful blog posts. You know, uh, you'll find so much valuable information there. And obviously, I'll suggest diving into the Canvas Instructional Designer blog. Uh, you'll find a lot of goodies in there like the course evaluation checklist. Uh, there's one on design tips for pages in Canvas. I wonder who wrote that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and there's also loads of freebies to download and use within your very own courses. We like to do little teacher appreciation events where we hand out things. Maybe it's like a, a homepage or a module structure or, you know, banners or buttons or, you know, little images, things like that. But there's more. Cue the drum roll. <laughs> I don't know if my uh, audio cut that out because uh, I have my filter on. <laughs> it did. It did. I didn't so hear it. Okay. That's okay. Here. <laughs> so, there we go. So starting from July 31st through September 30th, we're offering something truly exciting, which we've offered in previous years called Panda Pros. And what this is, is they're free one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions where individuals can connect with our product experts and have the opportunity to ask questions that they, that any question that you could think of, you know, related to your courses or Canvas or even Mastery Connect and things like that, and really get all the support needed to be fully prepared for the upcoming school year. So I think that is super awesome. I've done it before and I have just had so much fun helping others and it's been a really, really great experience. So just be sure to keep an eye out for more information on our website about Panda Pros and don't forget to schedule a session when all of that goes live. So it's gonna be a really incredible opportunity to get personalized guidance and really make the most out of your Canvas experience. And again, we're here to support, so. Yeah, and I have also been a part of that process and it's so fun. Um, and not only was that announcement super exciting, but <laughs> we will, um, here's a teaser. I, I don't even know if I'm supposed to mention this, but we will also have- <laughs> Uh, we will also have a podcast about Panda Pros, so you're going to get the inside scoop and the behind the scenes uh, view on what's actually happening and how we go about planning that out. So I'm really excited. Um, I won't give you any more information because there's some cool things that we plan on talking about during that episode, but that is coming soon. So uh, be on the lookout for that as well as yes sign up because literally you could ask us any question. Um, we may not be able to answer any question, but we will do our best. And we'll know where to find it. <laughs> exactly. We will find the information or point you in the right direction um, so that you feel like you get the most out of that one-on-one -on -one coaching session. And I so wish that that was available when I was a teacher because that's oh, a new thing. 100%. So sure. any other final thoughts as we wrap up our time today? I was going to say, just don't be afraid to learn. Don't get, yeah, don't get overwhelmed 
We talked about a lot of things that you may not have heard about or known about before. I learned the most about Canvas when I was first introduced by just clicking around and Googling things. And, and I always landed in the community. It's all in the, in the Canvas community. Um, but don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to look things up, watch videos, like, and just try things. Another thing that I think is undervalued or like understated is like, if you're not sure if something's going to work for your students, try it and ask them for feedback. Try doing, an, you know, creating an assignment a certain way and ask your students, did that work for you? Or is there another way we could have done that? Last week I did it this way. Was that better? Or did you like this way? Like that goes a really long way. And I have to give a shout out to my friend, Ruben Navarro, who did that when we were transitioning um, in my previous role. He's a pro teacher, awesome relationship builder. So it's not a surprise, but he was the one who first modeled that for me. He was like, oh, I just asked my kids and they told me they liked this better. And I was like, oh my God, genius. We want to know what's going to work for them. Why not ask them? So give it a shot. Try something, ask your kids for feedback, try it, start small and then, uh, and see what works for you. Yeah. I think feedback's a really great, a really great thing to incorporate into any course, right? Even if it's informal, super informal, it helps you, you know, improve for your next iteration of the course or whatnot. You know, it, it helps you understand what is working and what's not working. So I'm really glad that you brought mm -hmm. that up. And I think have, having grace with yourself, you touched on something really important, Natalie, that like, you can't do all of these things at once. That would be way too much to approach, but like, try one thing, try it for a month, see if it works, get feedback from your learners. If it works, great, try a new thing. If it doesn't, great, try a new thing and just do the next right thing, right? It's just a matter of like taking it one step at a time, one digestible bite at a time, just as much as we present it that way to our students. We need that grace for ourselves. So I loved this conversation. This was fantastic. Thank you so much to our special guests, Rosina and Natalie. And thank you for joining this week's Canvas Casters episode. I've loved chatting with you all about something so relevant and so important. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This was awesome. Great time. Yeah, thanks. We are fun. so excited to keep bringing you new content. Remember to like, follow, comment, review, and share Canvas Casters on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and of course, wherever you stream your podcasts. Thanks so much.